0: We are so glad that you are here today. Thank you for coming. And I tell you what, we could call her a day right now and go home and be pretty blessed. God bless us wonderfully, today. I have a terrible habit of burning the introduction, but I just want to say to Jennifer Matt. You know, How proud I am of them and how glad to have them home He's a pastor and that's why you never see them It's because he's doing what we do here every Sunday At the Journey Church in Murray, Kentucky um, But I'm just so blessed I have to tell the story I tell it every time she sings But it never grows old with me um, When I came as your pastor 14 and a half years ago Donnie Billman gave me the ballots I still have them in my drawer And on one of the ballots it does really say this If we don't keep him, can we keep his daughter? It honestly says that. I love telling that story. I still got the back of that ballot. What a blessing. And I'm, I'm really convinced there's, there's something I just know it's God's will is that y'all come live in Harrisburg. And, and, and those folks in Naples need to get right with God and come to Southern Illinois too. I'm certain of it. That would be an incredible uh, blessing to our, to our worship experience. Thank you so much. For blessing our hearts with worship. Well, listen, kind of a catch-me-up thing. We've been journeying this December through what we've seen, as you saw, the whispers of Christmas. And, and what we wanted to do was we wanted to take a look at the characters of the nativity and really let them be real. It was kind of based on a book by A Walk One Winter's Night. And a gentleman was taking a walk, and this is the last time you hear this, so you might as well hear it. You know, that he was talking, he was walking one night. He was troubled because well, he's just troubled because of his life, because to the world, because of what Christmas had become. Even though he really doesn't profess to be a strong believer in Christ, he was just troubled about this thing that, that they called Christmas. And so he was walking, and he saw a light in the distance, and as he got closer, he realized it was a nativity set much like this. And he noticed how every figure was pristine, and every you know, figure was just right, and he said to himself... I really don't like these people. And what he was trying to say was their life was so perfect and his was not. And you know how it is sometimes. You know, heavier people don't like to like, skinnier people, people who don't exercise don't like people who do exercise. But when he saw these individuals, he saw them as so pristine, so perfect, he didn't even want to be around them. And then he heard a voice. It was a female voice and he realized it was coming from the figure of Mary. And Mary was saying to him, this is not real. This is not me. Please let me be real. And we want to explain even the sermon and also in the story how we have Mary and she's always so clean and so perfect and yet in fact was she was scared, she was frightened. She was a young girl. She had, she had, uh, ridden a, a donkey about 75 miles She was in her ninth month of labor They were in a stinking stable Her, her garments were stained with the, with the blood of birth And perhaps with the dung of animals And that was reality And she says let me be real And the strength of that is this In the word of God If we take the bible If we take the word of God And make those figures something they're not So pristine they lose their power But when we realize that they struggled, we can identify with their struggles and with their victories. And then we talked about poor Joseph, and I have discovered, I do not know why. Because in the book it says Joseph always wears brown. But for some reason, in these cheap Chinese nativity sets, they like Joseph in pink. You have to be a real man, but Joseph, I've seen about three around town, and every one of them Joseph has this rose-colored pink garment on. Can't figure it out. They talk about him and and how that that he, you know, he too wanted to be real. How that he had a zeal to protect the Christ child. How he felt it was his responsibility to get them to Bethlehem safely. And and then be the the stepfather of the Son of God. Imagine that. You know, I love the book uh, uh, Karen Kingsbury wrote about the family of Jesus. And, and where Jesus was 12 and, and when he's at the temple and he says to his mom and dad, you know, his stepdad, don't you realize that I have to be about my father's business? And how Joseph probably at that moment realized that he would never be the father of Jesus. He would always be that stepfather. But that was fine. That's fine. Dave, uh, Joseph never spoke a written word in, in, the, in the Bible. His, his verbiage is not there. And we don't even know when he died. He just sort of slips from the scene. But Joseph was saying, let me be real. And on and on. We went to the shepherds a little bit on Christmas Eve night. How they were the most unlikely candidates for God to tell the story to. And and he tells the story. And then we got these guys. These guys, these these three wise men, these three magi, uh, these three kings. And we look at them and we see really they don't look real either. In fact, we don't even know if there was three or not. There may have been 30. We just don't know. We always assume because of the three gifts that there were three of them. But we look at them and all their, all their finery, and yet, they, let me tell you what didn't happen. They didn't wake up one day and see something in the sky and say, let's go find out what that is. And they called up their corporate pilot and ordered their corporate airplane. And and they went to their corporate airport and got on their Learjet and flew over to Jerusalem. They landed in Jerusalem. Then they got their white or their black SUV and had a caravan to, to Bethlehem and discovered the king walked in and said, hi, how you doing? It didn't happen that way. There was a star. But the truth is, they probably traveled months. And king or not, magi or not, fancy finery or not, it was a long, hard journey. Perhaps thousands of miles. And they journeyed, and they journeyed, and they journeyed. And when they got there, they did something incredible. They they worshipped, and they gave. They worshiped and they gave. And i really, I'm I'm sitting there, this is twice God's done this to me. I'm sitting there on the front row as as we're being ministered to in music and song and just coming to me. How this story of of Christmas, you know, it's all about giving and how, how God gave to the Magi and how God gave to us. And in turn, our response should be that we give to him. Not out of obligation, not because we have to, not because there's some pledge somewhere, but simply because we're just enthralled with the idea that God loves us so much. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. That is just incredible, incredible news. So with these three guys or 30 guys, these magi, these kings, these wise men, they saw something. The Bible tells us they saw a star In the east. And they were drawn to that star. And and that's the beginning of the journey. And that's where God's kind of taking the message in a different way. Because you see, their search for Jesus began with God drawing them. Right? Their search for Jesus as king... Began with God drawing them. Um, In verse number 9, it says something like this. And after hearing the king, they went on their way and there was the star they had seen in the east months before and a thousand miles away when something drew them to find this king. And I personally believe that something was God. He gave Moses a burning bush and Moses said, I've got to turn aside and see this bush that's on fire but it doesn't burn up. God gave them a star and use that star to draw them to the Christ child. You know, Jesus would later say in his ministry that no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Come on, you know the truth. The truth is, we don't seek God. The Bible says there's none that seeks after God. Left to our own, we are so depraved, we're so carnal, we would do our own thing. But because God loves us so much, He draws us to Himself. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it's very hard circumstances, as we heard with Jennifer. You know, sometimes God allows things to come in our life before we know Christ that will cause us to turn to Him and be drawn by Him. And even sometimes as believers, we go through difficult times. So Christ can draw us closer to himself. So they saw the star. And they began this incredible journey. And very broadly, all they knew out there, way in the distance, was the star. And they traveled, and they traveled, and they traveled. And they ended up where logically they said, there ought to be a king. And that was the capital so they went to Jerusalem and began inquiring around. Where's this king? Where's this king? Where's this king? Herod gets gets word that some guys are in town and the whole town's in an uproar because they're there. So he says, are y'all looking for? Looking for the king. You know, Herod goes and says, Where's this king supposed to be born? In Bethlehem. And so he calls the Magi aside and says, Look, go, go find this king. I want to worship him too. And so they did. They went back out. And and the Bible says, and there was that star in verse verse number um, 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed behind measure. They saw the star in the east. And as they got closer, the star became more specific. Isn't that great of God? God begins pulling people. See, the video was so incredible of that young couple that's serving in a very difficult place in the world. God began when they arrived to draw people to himself. They have seen what, he, what, what the person called as fast fruit, as God drew them to himself. And the Bible says incredibly that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And verse number nine, it says that it came to where, they, where the young child was. What, what was once distant and far away, it became specific and it became close. And you know the incredible part now, remember now, one of the names that we call these guys are wise men. Wise men. So their logic and their buddies, I can see them going out to the, to the local Magi place and going, hey, you know, we're going to go on a journey. Really, where are you going? We don't know. We, we just feel like we ought to go check this star out. Well, where's the star at? Well, we really don't know. It's not there in the Pacific. It's just out there. You know, somewhere out there. And so so they make the decision to follow. Now watch. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't even know all the questions. All they knew was, was they felt like God was drawing them. See, some of you today have not yet followed Christ because you don't have all the answers. Guess what? You don't need all the answers. I love Andy Stanley talks about in my my verbiage and not his. But they came to a a crossroads. They came to a defining point when they chose to believe the undeniable over the unexplainable. I mean, come on. There's more things about God I don't understand. There are more things I don't understand about God than when I first became a Christian. But there's a couple things I can't deny. And that is him. I mean... The reality. I mean, come on. We're, we're talking about a guy, a guy who was born 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem who grew up in a town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, uh, the name Nazareth would, would bring negative connotations when used in discussions. He was raised there. He was a carpenter, never traveled much more than 25 miles from his home. And yet 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. I mean... Two billion people in the world connect and associate God and Jesus together. I mean, this is the real deal. It's undeniable. I don't have all the answers. You never will have all the answers. But my question is, will you choose the undeniable or stay with the unexplainable? I want to challenge you today to go with the undeniable. That there is a God and he loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus Christ, a real human baby, God baby, who was born two thousand years ago, who lived and died on an old rugged cross, just like this one. Except for this, the other one was probably bigger, but like this one. And it wasn't an accident, and he wasn't a martyr, and whoops, God was on vacation that week before the foundation of the world was laid. James said, or John said in one twenty-nine. He said, Behold, before the foundation of the world was laid, look at this lamb, this man who was slain. How incredible. So these wise men embark on a journey. And somewhere on the radio this morning, or somewhere in this room... There's someone, and you're on a journey, and you may not understand it. You may not quite even know how to put it into words. You may not be able to verbalize what's happening in your life, but there's something tugging at you. There's something pulling at you, and it's spiritual in nature. It's something different. Well, let me just tell you, it's not church. It's not religion. And it's not bad pizza. It's God. He's God. He, he is pulling you himself he's drawing you to himself and so the wise men they they travel and they see this this star and they realize it's moved over to the place where it's supposed to be and they were simply were were overwhelmed with joy and then look what happens the bible says entering the house now just just for historical clarity this is probably jesus is probably like maybe two years or, or not quite two years uh, we know this because of the word, uh, the Greek word child there refers to a child and not a newborn baby. We also know that Herod, when he slaughtered the innocents, chose two years old and under to slaughter. So I know we, we say, well, Dwayne, we put these guys at the birth. I know we kind of do that. We kind of write the story like we want it. <laughs> but, but that's okay. It's not a big deal, okay? As far as if the wise men were there or not, that's, that's not the point. But, but the, the star led them. Eventually, the star led them to Christ. And this pulling you're feeling, this pulling that you're feeling, is going to lead you one place. It's not going to lead you to Muhammad. It's not going to lead you to being a better person. It's not going to lead you to a baptismal pool. It's not going to lead you to a giant scale where we're going to start New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. It's not going to lead you to a place where I'm going to be a better person so I can gain God's favor. It's going to lead you to Christ, it's going to lead you to Jesus. Not Jesus, the baby who was born, but Jesus, the Savior, who died. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? It's radical. But, but they came to the house, and, and they saw the child, and they saw Mary, his mother, and they fell. Now, this is so cool. They fell to their knees, and they worshipped him. They, when they got there, see, see, they were not, check this out. They were not on their way to a place. They were on their way to meet a person. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This journey that you feel like God's pulling you on, He's not pulling you to a denomination. He's not pulling you to a religious experience. He's not pulling you to be a better person. He's pulling you to the person of Jesus Christ. And they walked in and they saw this child and instantly they knew Because the reason I know this is, is because, again, these are wise men, these were magi, they were kings, whatever they were, they were men of some importance and instantly they fell down. Literally fell down and worshipped this baby. I personally believe, again, as God drew them, they recognized the importance of this Christ child. Not not fully. No, they didn't understand all of that. But they knew that this is what God was drawing them to the Christ child and they worshiped see it's just a it's just a natural thing when we get into the presence of God we we especially for Christ no no since we're Christ followers we just desire to worship amen mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a natural response. When you, you know, what did Isaiah do? You know, Isaiah Isaiah 6, 1 said, you know, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and all this was going on. The train filled his temple and and, and the pillars were shaking and all his, and the the seraphim and seraphim were going, holy, holy, holy. And all Isaiah could say was, woe is me. I'm undone. It's an amazing thing. When we get in the presence of God, we have this innate desire to worship. And they did too. And we should too. Every time, not just at Christmas, not just at Easter, not just our emotions get stirred the right way. Man, as we we meet with God daily in our quiet time, and as we gather here, we should just be grown to a state of worship. Just like Jennifer saying today incredible. So, so they begin to worship him. You almost can see him singing oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord. You almost can sense it and you can feel it. They didn't have all their answers but they knew they were in presence of deity. And look at, look at the, the response. They're, see worship And giving are connected. The Bible says, then they open their treasures. They open their treasures. I like that word. Now, here's the deal. You know, yeah. Here you go. Hang on. Dog on it. Bad idea. There, there, there. Okay. Hang on a second. Oh my goodness! Are we in luck today? There's money in my wallet. It is a—it's only five dollars, but it's a special day. You know, this—this this is where guys, generally speaking, guys, this is where we carry our money, isn't it? This was—and and again, as a medium of exchange, it's kind of like a treasure box. And when it says they opened their treasure, that's exactly what they were doing. They were opening their treasure boxes. They were opening. Don't take it too far. They were opening what would be our wallets. And so these wise men, and this is cool, this, these wise men would carry these treasure boxes. And in that box would be their... Yeah, her treasures. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? That's right. So if you have a treasure box, you put your treasures in there. And as a natural response to worship, okay, they opened their treasure boxes. And the Bible says they presented with him... Gifts. Yes. Now, the idea of present is, again, that, 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 that they wanted to give it. They didn't fully understand. They'd been on this incredibly long journey. The star had led them to, to this place to worship this babe. And they recognized him as, as something incredibly special, deity, if you will. They fall down on their face. They get out their treasure box and say, we want to give you something. They were just, I think, just overwhelmed in gratitude. With what God had done for them. Again. They didn't fully understand all this. But they knew where they were. And what was happening at that moment. Was because of God. Isn't that credible? And they give them. These gifts. They give them gold. They give them frankincense. And they give him myrrh. Now let me tell you three things. The first one is this. One of the commentaries put it this way, and I thought it was really good. Although we don't really do this. Do they, even, they even still make traveler's checks. You remember we used to go on vacation before credit cards? And they do make out traveler's checks. And, you know, you'd, have, you'd buy them, and then you sign them in front of the person, and they were kind of accepted almost like cash. Well, the commentary said that's kind of what these items were. On on the base level, they were like traveler's checks. This was the medium, the, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. These were things that were widely accepted. You could trade them for food. You could trade them for lodging. You could trade them for different things as you journeyed. So on the base level, they pulled out their traveler's checks. That's one level. But this was Bigger. And this is where I hope you'll take this home as we go into 2015 and I've got several guests from different churches that you'll take this back as you journey. Once you you discover the Christ child and and once you fall down and worship before Him, there's this innate desire to give to Him. Again, not to gain favor but because you're like totally enamored with this. You realize just how much God loves you and loves you. And so... They give them these gifts. But here's what I want you to understand. The gifts were bigger than they knew. And I think something I want to give you now, if you'll let me leave the gospel part of this and come to those of us who know Christ as Savior. Those of us who are on the Jesus journey already. Those of us who follow the star, if you will, and ended up with Christ. Here's what I want you to understand. You probably don't understand The importance of giving. I think it's really sad that in American culture, the standing joke is you go to church and they ask for money. Some of you are going, great. I come to church one time a year and it's today. today." We just kind of do that. You know? But I want you to understand that giving is an act of worship. And giving is a privilege and an honor that we are given to by God. To share what he has already given to us. God doesn't want us to give because we have to. He doesn't want us to give because we feel guilty if we don't. He wants us to be so enamored with him. So in love with him. That's just his thing. I I bought Judy several gifts. And I promise you I didn't go and say. Gotta buy Judy a present. I kind of like her. In fact I kind of love her. And it was something I wanted to do to give to the one I love so I really think they they gave this but I'm not sure they understood the importance of I was supposed to do the the, uh, mission video but I'm doing a sermon I'm doing a funeral at 2 o'clock and by the way if I start breaking into funeral mode you know what happened if I start talking about dead people you know what happened okay I kind of shifted gears um but anyway, so I was like overwhelmed trying to get that ready and then get this message ready and one for tonight, and uh, and so Judy said, you know, she goes, "Have you thought about the presentation for Lottie Moon tomorrow?" I think I glared at her. I'm not sure, but I think I did. I said, "No, I have not thought about the video for tomorrow morning. I can't get the sermon in my head." Something like that. Probably I said to somebody, "No, honey, I haven't thought about it." It really wasn't like I said, was it? Okay, never mind. We'll leave it alone. Let it go. Let it go. Okay, move on. So, anyway, so the bottom line was, she said, do "You want me to do this?" And and I said, "Yeah, I really think you should, because I don't have it." And here's the cool part: as you were speaking, I knew that wasn't an accident. The things that Judy said were spoken exactly like they should have been. Now, what I want you to see: is you may think that your gifts. Don't matter. You may think your giving doesn't matter. Hey, preach, you got money in the bank. The church has got money in the bank. You're missing a couple of the big points. The big points being folks like those folks that you saw in the video are on the field today because of the generosity of believers like you. And it's so important. We give because we love Christ. But we give because there's a need to share this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, for those of you who are members of Dorisville, 11 and 5 cents of, of every dollar you give goes toward missions plus the special missions that we take and receive. It's just, it's just huge. I don't, think they, I don't think they realized what was about to happen. I know they didn't. To them, they were just saying, here, I love you, and they gave. See, what they didn't know? That when they walked out the door, like, In a couple of days, an angel would appear to Joseph and say, Hey, Joseph, here's what's going down. Herod is going to kill all the kids two years old and under, all the boys, two years old and under in Bethlehem. You need to go. In fact, you need to go to Jerusalem. Now, this may be on the fringe. I don't know, but to me it's not. How do you think they paid for the trip? How do you think they paid for the trip? If Joseph was a poor carpenter and he was a poor carpenter, how was he going to pay for the trip? You know what? I personally believe that God sent three guys. I'm sorry, five guys, 30 guys, we don't know. So we all in that three trick. I think God sent these guys. And they were so enamored with what what happened in their lives. In generosity, they just gave. Not knowing that God was going to use that to further the kingdom and protect his son. Just do this. Every time you think. Next time you show up at church somewhere and they they pass by, just keep in mind that God just might be wanting to use you in a very, very special way. Amen? Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? I mean, it's not cooler than knowing that your money's is just going somewhere out there. That God has a purpose. That God has a plan. Now, there's one more thing. Have you figured out yet yeah, we're just doing the first point? Or are you sitting there going, oh, no. Chicken's going to be gone. Come on down with it, man. He gave. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, this is biblical speculation. There's a. There's a. You you read somewhere and they say, "Well, it was just three gifts. It was the median of the day. It was like travelers' checks." But then there's a chunk of scholars a lot smarter than me and you who do attach great significance to what they gave. And if it is biblical speculation, it's a beautiful speculation. Because you know a little bit, you probably may have heard a preacher say this, but you know gold was the gift for a king. Again, that's not, I mean, it was. There are several Old Testament scriptures where gold is mentioned with royalty. Royalty. And and again, because we serve this incredible sovereign God. They didn't have a clue. But a sovereign God just might have said, give him some gold. Because the child who lays before you, you know him as the king of the Jews. I know him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's just possible... That God had them given gold, recognizing the fact that this was Emmanuel, this is God with us, this was God in the flesh. But one day, as he lived and grew, and he was crucified, and he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, there was a day he's coming back and reigning on this earth as our king. He was the king that filled the lineage of David. Wow. How cool is that? How cool. And I wouldn't put it past God. Because that's just the kind of God He is. And this this frankincense. You know, that was the, the gift, the allusion to priest. They would burn the incense before the Holy God. And we know, don't we? I mean, if it's biblical speculation, it's good. That Jesus Christ is the high priest. The high priest. One who understands our feelings. One who understands our hurts. One who understands our pains. But the one who made one sacrifice. The regular high priest would go back again and again and again and again. But this high priest, the Christ, made one sacrifice, which was himself. And then sat down at the right hand of the Father. You see, the sacrifice that the other high priests made of of goats and bulls and oxen, that looked forward to the real deal. Jesus was the real deal. And when he died on that Roman cross and he shed his blood, he paid the price for our sins. And whosoever will. The richest guy in town and the poorest guy in town. The the ones who who live in a country that worships other gods. The, the, the The one who lives in this part of town or that part of town. And again, I love to say it. And whether you think your sin list is really long or your sin list is pretty short, you think. He paid the price. Just like he did for all of us. That we could have forgiveness of sin. And then myrrh. Ah, myrrh. The illusion there, the, the speculation there, is it's very direct. Because myrrh was a burial spice. And he was the king. And he was the high priest. But he was the king and high priest who died for us. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't in a coma. He was dead. And on the third day, he took his life Back up again. They they didn't they didn't understand Egypt. They may not have understood the, the symbolism. You know, if it's truly there, they did not know how God was going to use their gifts. But they simply wanted to express love, and they did. And that's just incredible. See that verse we all know. You still see the signs every once in a football game. For God so loved the world, so loved the world that He gave. See, that's what I was trying to tell you. It begins with God giving, and should end with us giving. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So. My bottom line, the invitation is this. If you're here today and something's happened that you can't believe. You thought you came to, to get a free meal with mom after church. Thought maybe it's just a good time to come to church. But some guy you don't know stood up on the stage and you've been feeling this pulling. And today you heard from a guy you don't know. That's God. And he's tugging at your heart. He's saying, I want you to come and be a part of my family. And you've got questions, and they are not answered even right now. But maybe you're willing to cling and hang on to the undeniable that Jesus is the Son of God. And lay aside the unexplainable. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front here in just a moment. And I know it's weird asking you to come forward, and you don't need to do that. I'll be standing back, and Brent will be running around somewhere. You may have a friend here who knows Christ. However it is, but you need to have a conversation with someone today about how you can understand God's grace and how he wants to forgive your sins and come into his family. You need to have that conversation today. I'd be glad to have that conversation with you today. And then there's us, us who are Christ followers. I want to just challenge you today. You know, y'all are real faithful. Let I me mean, speak to, to dorsal people, our regular tenders in our family, you know, which well, we're all family. Y'all are very really generous in your giving. But as you approach 2015, don't ever lose sight of that as God has placed this in our hands, and as God challenges us and speaks to us and prods us and moves us to give, It may be in a way that you may never dream that God wants to use you and your gift. And never lose sight of the fact that our motivation is He loves us and we love Him. Would you bow your heads right there, please? Thank you so much for listening so well today. and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and they're going to be singing in just a moment. And I ask you to hold hold still this morning. Don't move unless you absolutely have to. This is our God time. This is what it all points to right now. In just a moment as, as they begin to sing for us and after I pray, I'm going to ask you to stay seated and keep your head bowed. And I want to invite you today if you feel that tug, that pull that I talked about. I'd like you to get up. I mean, no one's going to be watching. Just I'll have my eyes open and Brenna has his open but other than that it's just me, him, and God. I just want to invite you to come if you feel that. Do I not want to know more? You may not be able to answer all my questions but I want to know more. And we'd love to have a conversation with you today. Maybe you're here today and you're already a Christ follower but maybe there's some decisions. Frankly, maybe you realize that you know what? You've not opened your treasure box in a long time and you realize that That's a way of expressing your love for God that you may be missing out on. Maybe we will talk about that today with him. Maybe you're here and you've been coming and you just figure on December 28th is a great time to maybe become part of the family officially. If you'd like to become part of the Dorsville family officially. Maybe you are a Christ follower but you've never been baptized. And you feel led today that you'd like to make that commitment. Maybe you just want to pray. Jim Lindsay told me today that Kathy Lindsay's last aunt passed away. service is going to be Wednesday at 1 o'clock. They want to come and pray. I just don't understand how so many deaths we've had in the last really four weeks. It started Thanksgiving night. I think about the ladies who are now widows. Daughters without moms. Doctors, cancer, treatments. Difficult times. Maybe you just want to pray. Maybe we want to pray for someone else. And we invite you to do that. So I'm going to pray. Ask God to bless this time. You'll keep your head bowed and just stay seated for a few minutes as they sing for us. And then we'll join together in song. God, thank you so much for sharing your word with us today. I want to thank you that you're a great big God. You're bigger than we can figure out. And I pray, Father, that uh, just like you gave the wise men a star, and there's someone under the sound of my voice, either on radio or here, that they realize you've been calling them. You've been drawing them. That those circumstances weren't just circumstantial. And um, I pray you'll lead them to come and accept your grace and your forgiveness. God, thank you that the answer is not all that stuff I talked about, religion and all those things, that it really is in your son Jesus. Father, for the ones that are hurting today, I pray for your peace. I pray for your understanding, your love. Have your way, God, in this time. In Jesus, I pray in your precious name.